12 minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to a Metro FM talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our Shop Stewards Corner segment, which we bring to you every Monday, taking a look at uh, what's happening in the lives of working people. And uh, this evening is certainly no different. And uh, many of you would have been following the conversations that we've had over the last while uh, with um, uh, representatives of public sector unions. We've caught up with Nehau. Uh, we've spoken to, to uh, the folk at Satu uh, about, I guess, uh, you know, this um, debate around uh, the public sector wage freeze. Uh, but also uh, the honouring of the last leg of a collective agreement signed uh, between government and uh, uh, public sector workers uh, in 2018. And uh, a lot of them, when we ask them, you know, what uh, will, I guess, this impasse mean for the continued support of working people uh, of the African National Congress prior to the local government elections, I guess were quite diplomatic in their responses. Uh, but it seems now that uh, the president of COSATU over the weekend, uh, Zingis Walosi, uh, uh, addressing the uh, National Bargaining Conference uh, on Friday, I guess, uh, starting to make clear uh, that uh, workers are not going to accept a blank check uh, from the African National Congress. Uh, Kosato's national spokesperson, Siswa Pamla, joins me uh, so that we can hear a bit more about this. Uh, Siswa, good evening to you. Welcome, and uh, as always, a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, good evening to you, and good evening to the listeners. Siswa, um, I mean, it's quite interesting because I think, uh, you know, a lot has been said about public sector wage bill, uh, both in the February budget and the special adjustment budget. We heard something similar in the medium-term budget policy statement. And sometimes it just seems like it's a, it, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that... Uh, 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 but uh, it's quite clear that uh, that certainly is not the case. Um, talk to me about, I guess, the context of the remarks that the president uh, of COSATU made on Friday coming as they do months, just, just uh, months before the local government elections? Well, uh, firstly, if you look at the issues that have been discussed in Parliament, we have always cautioned government against using Parliament, uh, the platform to negotiate, because we don't negotiate in Parliament. So we negotiated the PSCPC. But uh, we suppose no matter when they made these addresses in Parliament, they are not just talking to workers, but they are also talking to rating agencies, lenders, and whoever else is, is interested in this topic. So for us, we haven't started the engagement with them uh, with regards to the, the wage freeze that they are proposing, for an example. But what the president was trying to communicate there was that um, the ANC needs to understand our support is not a blank check. And the reason why we support mm -hmm. the ANC is, is because we are hoping that the ANC will do the things that we as workers want to see done. There is no reason to be in an alliance with a political organization that is adopting aggressive policies that are anti-work. So that is the message the president was sending, to say um, we could be in an alliance with the DA then if this was about a plan check. It's not about the plan check. If mm. workers feel that Mm. What is being done and what is being proposed uh, is, 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 is against their own interest. Workers will find no reason to vote against their own interests. But we're saying that we hope mm. that sanity will prevail, that they will stop negotiating in Parliament, and that they will actually negotiate so that whatever decision we end up taking, it is an outcome of a negotiating process. Mm. But, Cizo, I mean, this is not just any alliance. Uh, you know, it's a, one an historic alliance. Uh, but also, I guess, an alliance which um, has uh, 
both employer and the employed in the same political framework, if I can put it that way. Um, and many South African people might say, you know, we've heard this line before. Uh, at times, we've also heard it from some of your alliance partners, the South African Communist Party as well, and sometimes it just comes across as a bluff. What about this moment is different in terms of the relations within the alliance that uh, are making you even contemplate saying, we are not going to encourage working people to go out and vote for the African National Congress? Well, it's because it will be difficult to actually do it. That's why we're communicating this message and communicating it clearly. It's because, of course, our alliance has a lot of contradictions. And, and our relationship, uh, it's not a single-issue relationship, meaning that um, sometimes mm. there are differences and you try to manage them because you're looking at the bigger picture. What the Federation is raising here is that it's going to be difficult to convince these workers not just to vote, but to convince them to campaign because the first question they are going to ask is to say, what is the need for me? Because, like I said, this relationship has never mm. been a, a, a blank check. So it, isn't, it is not just a question of us uh, 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 trying to, 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 to blackmail uh, our alliance partners. We, we are communicating the frustration that we are identifying on the ground to say when you go into engagements and meetings with workers, the first thing they want to hear is uh, what is the progress with regards to their with negotiations. So any other topic, if you were to, to try to, to bring a political topic, they say, leave that thing out. The issue here is we need to first resolve mm. this issue before we even talk. So when we are communicating, this is because on the ground, people are starting to say, we're not going to have conversations about anything until these issues are resolved. It, it tells you that these people are not going to campaign. These people are not going to be enthusiastic mm. about uh, elections going forward because for them, this is personal. For them, this is about their livelihoods and their families. So it's not just a question of us mm. who are trying to blackmail our partners, but we are saying it is not going to work because if you go on the ground, you hear on the ground how workers feel and the way they express their, their, their sentiments is different to the way it, it has never happened like this before. Mm, mm. Okay. Sizzle, let's pause here for a second and take a quick spot break. When we come back, I want us to uh, speak about, I guess, the implications of this ongoing impasse between uh, the government and uh, uh, public sector uh, uh, labor representatives, uh, who also, I guess, sit in the same uh, political alliance, if I can put it that way, uh, uh, and uh, some of the contradictions that emerge from that, and more importantly, what that means uh, within uh, the context of uh, you know, the politics of the ANC as well. We'll continue after this. 21 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk. And I'm in conversation with the national spokesperson of Kosato, Sizwe uh, Pamla. And uh, we continue with our conversation here. And uh, Kosato making quite clear uh, that uh, they uh, are not giving their alliance partners, the ANC, a blank check when it comes to canvassing support uh, for the governing party in the upcoming local government elections. And I guess, Sizwe, the, the other dynamic at play here is, is potentially maybe an internal alliance dynamic. Uh, in, two, in 2017... Kosatu and the South African Communist Party were, were quite, um, I guess, supportive uh, of uh, the campaign of, um, you know, the incumbent, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, to lead the ANC. And, uh, and it seems now, I guess, uh, you know, should this be interpreted as, um, I guess, a, a saying that even that support was not, con uh, was not unconditional 
uh, and that if uh, this does continue as it seems it has, because I guess even the cabinet, uh, uh, just judging from what we've seen and also what you were saying in parliament, it seems that this is something that uh, uh, the governing party uh, is supporting. Uh, what will that mean, I guess, for the, you know, your ongoing support, if at all, uh, for President Sir Ramaphosa? Well, yeah, you, you are right that uh, our support, even at the time, we made it very clear that we were supporting him because we were hoping that he was going to do uh, what we would like to see done by any ANC administration. If you go back to 2016, when we came out of the 2015 National Congress, and we, the Free Market Foundation at the time uh, took Kosato to court uh, to fight over uh, the powers of the minister when it comes to collective bargaining. So, so they took us to court. Mm. We won that court case. We never anticipated or imagined that five years later we will be stuck in a court of law. Now, not being fought by the market foundation, but being taken to that court of law by an ANC administration. So that is really a big deal because we defended collective bargaining five years ago from the people who have always made it very clear that they are anti-unions. But we never anticipated mm. that we are going to be going back to the same court now being taken by an ANC government. But like I, I, I said, ours is not a single issue relationship, but it all boils down to the real owners of the federation which is the workers. Even mm. on previous occasions, there have been a lot of frustrations, but workers always have the last word when it comes to, 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 to deciding the way forward. Even this time around, we are expressing the sentiment that we are picking uh, from workers on the ground, but it will still be the responsibility of the workers to actually uh, uh, answer the question you just asked, to say, what does this mean going forward? So we will take that question ourselves to mm. the real owners of the federation. And then whatever answer they give to us, we will have to implement it because we are a mandate-driven organization. We listen to what workers have okay. to say. Okay. That's a, that's a very diplomatic answer, Sizo. And maybe I guess it feeds into my next question. Uh, which is, are you optimistic, certainly, in your deliberations with some of your comrades within the alliance, uh, that, um, you know, they are giving you a receptive ear, that, um, you know, they are also persuaded by the position that you're saying, that they are setting an unhealthy precedent by not respecting, uh, you know, the same collective bargaining that has been protected by legislation that was brought about uh, by the self-same ANC government. Uh, are you optimistic that uh, your deliberations are going to find a receptive ear and that you're going to... Uh, at least be able to take this outside of the courts uh, where it currently sits now? But as, as, as trade unions, if there's one thing that uh, we do and do well, is to negotiate. So we'll we, we always give dialogue a chance. Uh, but, but of course, you cannot uh, really predict the outcomes of those discussions. Hopefully, sanity will prevail, we will find uh, the, the common ground. But the reality here is that the, 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 the frustration from the workers is real. So, and, and, and we're trying to make this because uh, we want to protect the alliance. When we, are, when we are cautioning them and we are warning them of, the, of these levels of frustration. If you go back, for an example, um, to I think it was 2017, when we had a May Day celebration in the Free State, even at the time, we, we warned them that workers on the ground, especially Kosato members, had taken a very hardline position when it came to the then president. You saw how it played out when that made a collapse because workers 
we're not going to allow the president to address. Even in this instance, we are just mm. expressing the frustration in what's taking on the ground to say, if we, if we have to, uh, if, 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 if we're going for elections next year, it might be a, a difficult period because these workers are just not interested to hear anything about politics. They, they want mm. the issue of the wage negotiations to be resolved first. So that is what, what mm. we're expressing here. But he, of course, we will continue to keep dialogue a chance and hope hopefully sure. sanity will prevail and we'll find each other. Mm. And in that spirit of giving dialogue a chance, are you open to, I uh, guess, negotiate uh, the uh, wage agreements for the next multi, uh, um, or, or I should say mid- medium-term expenditure period, about the next three years or so? Are you open to uh, starting the next wave of negotiations, or do you want to sort this particular matter out, the last leg of the existing agreement, before you even have a conversation with the DPSA? No, uh, we can't negotiate a new <coughs> contract when uh, uh, your partner that you are negotiating with have failed to honor the previous mm. one. Because then it's just an exercise that you are going to do. You, you know that you don't trust each other. You are not negotiating in good faith. Let us resolve the issue of the old contract first. As soon as we resolve that one, we can uh, reopen. We can open the negotiations about the future. But the issue of the last leg of the uh, resolution one of 2018 is still a big deal because these workers have been waiting for that money since the 1st of April. And with all of the difficulties mm. that we've experienced of late, I mean, many of these workers are highly indebted. And the worst thing that's going to happen about this is that uh, things that uh, we detected earlier, where nurses will start to moonlight, where people will start to, 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 to run small businesses, and, and the levels of corruption that we are trying to eradicate, you will see a lot of that. Not because people are corrupt, but because people are desperate, because they are struggling uh, to keep up with, with their payments, they are losing their houses. So this issue is also just about ensuring that you have a reliable public service that you can trust because mm. the people are, uh, uh, are passionate about their jobs. But when, when people start to moonlight, they do other things, then you are going to see the system collapsing. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other implications of that, of a, a systemic collapse of that kind, is that, you know, it has an impact on service delivery, you know, that uh, has a massive impact on ordinary working class people. Um, and, and when you think about it in that context, I mean, uh, you know, the likes of Samu, Nehao, Satu, and many of uh, the unions in the public service, who are critical to people being able to access, you know, the day-to-day services that they need to survive, um, I mean, is is that what we might see here? Might we see maybe another 2007 recurring again? Um, and if so, I guess, um, you know, um, it comes at a time of COVID-19. Uh, some people might be saying you probably don't want that at this point. Definitely, yes. Uh, in fact, we were hoping that as terrible as COVID continues to be, but we're hoping that at least COVID was going to uh, remind people of how important public servants are uh, in terms mm. of the role that they play. But uh, when we listen to the supplementary budget, we got a sense that uh, while everybody acknowledges uh, the critical role that public servants play on a day-to-day basis and, and, and how important they've been over the last couple of months, they still don't believe that uh, spending money on public servants is an investment. They see it as an expenditure, mm. something that can be uh, avoided. Now, that then has become a, 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 a big problem because, remember, by law, public servants are not supposed to, to do business uh, with the state. And we supported that when it was first proposed, with the understanding that we, we did not firstly want uh, them developing uh, uh, corrupt relations with their own employers and uh, avoiding conflict of interest. 
But the problem now is uh, these people are struggling to keep it, to keep up with their pay, with, with their payments. Some of them are losing their cars. Some of them are losing their houses. If they then tell you that you know I need to start doing something on the on, on, on the sidelines for me to, to to be able to afford uh, to, to 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 send my kids to school and 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 to afford the house I I, I live in. How are you going to, 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 to oppose that? Because as a government, we are taking a very hardline position about uh, uh, not allowing negotiations about uh, salary mm. adjustments uh, to take place. So this is the problem we're going to have. And we have seen it. Sure. Uh, in fact, uh, when it comes to service delivery, we used to see public service nurses moonlighting in private uh, uh, hospitals. They will call in sick at a, a public uh, hospital because... They needed to do a shift in a private institution. In, in our own engagements, we've always discouraged that, but we were doing it with the understanding that uh, we needed something like OSD, for example, that was going to help mm. the, the public service and keep them in, in, in the public service instead of them being caused by the private sector. But with this new kind of austerity attitude that we are starting to see, it is going to be difficult because we know already we don't have enough of the public service. So Sure, if we sure. force the ones who are there to start to moonlight, the people who will pay the biggest price are the people, uh, are the poor people who depend on the public service for everything. Mm. Pamela, a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, it's a story we're certainly going to be uh, following quite closely. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much, my brother. Thank you. That there is Sizwa Pamla. He speaks on behalf of Kosatu, national spokesperson your Kosatu, Sizwa Pamla, speaking to us there. This after uh, the president of Kosatu, Zingis Walosi, uh, made uh, remarks on the weekend at uh, the uh, National Collective Bargaining uh, Conference of Kosatu uh, that uh, a clear message to the ANC next year's local government elections no pamphlets or tired slogans are going to convince workers to turn out in numbers to vote for their organization if uh, uh, the uh, government's attacks on collective bargaining. Do not cease. So, uh, yeah. Hey. Masabegwe Langin will certainly follow and uh, watch uh, how this is going to play itself out. Let's take a brief break now. When we come back, uh, we look at the CRL Commission, uh, where we hear, hear from a former cult leader who gave chilling details of how he went as far as Nigeria and the Democratic Republic of Congo to seek supernatural powers uh, that he would later use to control his congregants, attract money, and grow his followings. We'll also take a look at uh, Advocate Moon. Who's this Kakane show on the commission earlier on today?